So before we get going, I want to do a little precursor to the this episode okay. that my voice sounds like a chipmunk in the end of it. So if you don't want to hear that or if it's irritating, I do not hold it against anyone to not listen to this full episode and just move on to the next one. So there, I just wanted to do a little PSA before that. I think it sounded adorable. It made me laugh. It was terrible to edit. So uh, <laughs> go forward at your own risk. But if you don't listen to the whole episode, I will not be offended. What happened? <laughs> oh, you blinked. Yeah. Um, Easter was good. How, yeah. about, how was your Easter? It was good. Pretty mellow Easter. Cool. But we're here now. Yeah, so we should start. We sound um, so excited today. I know. I really need, Before we start, start, I need to just like sit for a minute and drink, drink this because I've just. <laughs> oh, okay. How about this? So they were doing some facts on the radio this morning on my way to work. Uh-huh. And they were saying that in Virginia, 50% of the people staying home to work are drinking 50 percent that's huge well alcohol sales have gone up something like 537 percent we're all just gonna need rehab when this is all over rehab and a gym which is crazy to me because well I guess it does make sense because I was thinking well the bars aren't buying their inventory so you would think that it would just be the consumers are making up for it. But I guess if you have a job that you're going to every day, you don't have time to go to the bar and you don't have time to drink. So you're. Oh, I always those have time people. Oh, yeah. That's not a problem for me. I make the time. I'm committed. Or I yeah, need well, to be committed. Mm-hmm. One or the other. <laughs> Somebody has to be. <laughs> right. I think Jim Beam should sponsor us. I'm just putting it out there into the universe. Jim Beam. Yeah, Jameson. isn't Jim Beam uh, bourbon though, or no? It is. But oh. All all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. Oh, I see. Okay, I'm not I'm I'm not very educated when it comes to whiskey. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, that's why you invite me back every every week. We should I, do that one week though. Learn what? learn about the the whiskey and stuff. <laughs> we should learn about it. Why not? I have to say that that Jen wrote our story this week because I was really busy at work. So she picked up my slack, but I am back on board. I'm writing for our next episode. Cool. I'm halfway done. I want you to be proud. Uh, I mean, if you continuously underachieve, we do get very proud when you start to meet expectations. <laughs> you know, I do what I can. <laughs> it's cool. Um, are you drinking whiskey tonight? I am. Oh. At 4.16 p.m., I am. Yeah, I'm, uh, oh, for some reason, my laptop says that it's 12.35 p.m. I don't know what that's about. That's um, weird. Yeah, I'm drinking uh, chai tea with, oh, I don't remember what it's called. Rum chata? Yes, that's what it is, rum chata. It's so, the only thing that made sense. Yeah, there it is. I'm going to 
I'm going to tell my sister's secret right now. My sister goes to Starbucks and she buys the frozen chai, the frappuccino chai. Mm-hmm. And then she puts Bailey's in it. Oh. But she, but she just goes around sucking it down. So everyone's always like, oh, why does Aaron drink so much? And I'm like, she just hides it better. That's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just threw my sister under the bus. Love you. Oh, that's okay. I mean, if if you if you figure out the hacks, I mean, you should use them. Yeah. You know, she just walks around with a Starbucks cup and everyone just thinks it's normal. Yeah, so I guess we should get to it for this week. I also didn't print out my notes, so we're at the mercy of my computer oh. to scroll. Well, we're so. going to tell you a story that, <laughs> once again, takes place in San Diego mm-hmm. in Rancho Santa Fe. Go for it, Jen. Knock it out of the park. Yeah. Well, it didn't start in Rancho Santa Fe, but um, this is the tale of Heaven's Gate. And um, for those of you who are familiar with Heaven's Gate, it's self-explanatory, but we will go into uh, a little bit more background into how what what led this cult to um, the tragedy that happened in Rancho Santa Fe. The founders of Heaven's Gate were uh, a man named Marshall Applewhite. I've written Applewood. But that's not Oh, true. yeah, you did. I didn't even <laughs> notice. It totally works. I prefer Applewood, to be quite honest. Yeah. I was like, that doesn't make sense. So Marshall Applewhite <laughs> and a woman named Bonnie Nettles. So I'll tell you a little bit about Marshall. And then, Erin, you can tell us a little bit about Bonnie. Marshall Applewhite was born in Spur, Texas. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> to me. I don't know why. That's such a Texas name. It is. Spur spurs like on your cowboy boots that's right um so he was born in 1931 may 17th of 1931 and he was brought up um pretty religious but for that area in texas in 1930s and 40s it was not uncommon for families to be very religious so it wasn't like he was uh you know, the weird family that was very religious or whatever. They weren't over the top, but he definitely learned a lot about the Christian religion growing up. Um, He earned his bachelor's in philosophy and then went on to earn his master's in music. So he was educated. I know there's a big difference between educated and smart. So (laughs) he was educated, at least. He was drafted into the army. And then he left the army. When he left the army, he taught music at the University of Alabama. And he left that position because he was pursuing a sexual relationship with a male student. Wow. Um, I never heard that. Yeah. And it was not okay for two reasons. One was because it was the University of Alabama and it was a homosexual relationship, which was not cool at that time there for many people. And um, two, he was a teacher. So it was, you know, teacher student that was frowned upon. Um, Whoops. So he did have a girlfriend at the time, um, but he was very open about his sexuality. So everything I read was um, that he was gay and then he had a girlfriend but it kind of seemed like he was possibly, and I don't want to 
claim that he's one thing or another, but it sounds more like he's bisexual and he was just in a relationship with a woman at the time and then cheated on her with a man. Like it seems like aggressive. Yeah. Like it's, it seemed like he was really into his girlfriend. So it didn't seem like it was uh, just a cover because he was pretty like flamboyant anyway. So it didn't seem like he was hiding it. Yeah. So he was not being what the university was teaching. You know, he was not they being. They weren't teaching that? Swap no. partners? No? That wasn't a no. thing? No cheating, no homosexual relationships, none of that. He left teaching in 1970 and he just was done with it. He left uh, and he, he cited that it was emotional turmoil was the reason that he left. Um, I'm sure a lot of teachers so, feel that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He quit teaching. And uh, the next part of his chapter is um, when he meets his other half. So you want to tell us about Bonnie Nettles? So Bonnie Nettles was born August 29th, 1927. So she was an older woman than Mm -hmm. him. Ooh, freaky. She grew up a Baptist in Texas in a typical household of the time. She grew up to become a nurse. She went on to marry a man named Joseph Nettles in 1949 and had four children. So there are a few stories on how Bonnie and Marshall met. One of them says that Marshall was in the hospital visiting a friend and that friend had Bonnie as a nurse and they had instant connection. We know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Zing. However, <laughs> boom. It just hits you. <clears throat> However, Bonnie's daughter later said they met at drama school where Marshall was teaching. And also, um, I did see somewhere on the dailynews.com, they had an article that said that Bonnie was a psychiatric nurse and Marshall was committed into her psych unit. And oh, that's wow. where they met. That's so, not where you want to meet your partner people. I just want to no. put it out there. No. Not a good place. Little little psychiatric nightingale issue yeah. thing there. That's really weird. <laughs> that's a lot different story. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's quite a few different um, huh. stories out there, but I think it's because there's nothing uh, concrete. It's just all you know. They didn't really go into it with their followers. They and it was like so, the 50s, so yeah. it's not like there's record of it. Yeah, no relationship status change on Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> right? God, that really helps out, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So Bonnie held many seances and visited psychics. One such psychic told her that she would be meeting a man who fit the description of Marshall Applewhite in the near future. So it is possible that is why they hit it off so well. She was probably actively on the lookout for a man with that description. Mm. So at this time in 1972, when they met, so forget the 50s, we're in the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. Um, Bonnie's marriage was a bit unstable. Due to the fact that she believed a 19th century monk named Brother Francis was giving her instructions and speaking to her directly. Sorry, this is the first time I'm writing this because Jen wrote it. (laughs) And I didn't want to spoil it for myself, but that kind of made me laugh. Like, what? I didn't want to spoil it for you either. (laughs) Oh, okay. I had never heard that before. Me neither. That's okay. That's really specific. 
So she was also hosting weekly seances and occult discussions at her home. This wasn't anything her husband was interested in. And all these things greatly interested Marshall Applewhite. Mm-hmm. Co-winky-dink. Hmm. They spoke a lot about mysticism, which is a practice of religious ecstasies or alternate states of consciousness. Due to all these conversations, the two concluded that they were divine messengers and opened a bookstore. Yes. That's yeah. what you do. And in their bookstore, they also um, did all, uh, kind of like readings for people or, um, you know, meditated on things. And so it was a very, um, it, it wasn't like a normal bookstore that people would go into to buy, you know, the latest mystery novel. It was more the occult type bookstore. Something we would totally go into. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was probably a pretty rad bookstore, but it probably was. Um, yeah. So that they met, they decided they were these messengers. And on New Year's Day in 1973, the two ran off together. So at the time, Bonnie had three young children who were still living at home with her and her husband. And the oldest had already moved out of the house. Um, I think the oldest was like 20 at the time. So they left to fulfill their prophecy together. And they believed that they were the two witnesses, just as stated in the book of Revelations in the Bible. So they oh, were please. they were really important people. Yeah, apparently. Um, <laughs> yeah. Two witnesses. So the two traveled around doing odd jobs and they were spreading their word and they were they were speaking at, you know, kind of like uh, other occult bookstore type things. Like they would travel around and find people who were perhaps like minded and, you know, that sort of thing. But they didn't really have a following yet. Um, and it was in 1975 when Marshall was arrested for failing to return a rental car. Like he just rented the car and then left. He calls it. Uh, that he was divinely authorized to keep this car. <laughs> I'm when he was arrested. that. I'm yeah. using that. I stole this. But so finally authorized. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Grand Theft Auto, but it's, you know, he's That's divinely funny. authorized to like keep it. it. <laughs> yeah. So he received six months in jail. And this is where his theology really started to blossom. So while he was in jail, he was. Um, really defining his philosophies. Yeah, his vision started getting clearer after or during while he was in jail. Um, And so when he was released from jail, he and Bonnie went to Oregon and they were collecting followers along the way. So they would stop and give like speeches or, you know, whatever teachings And they actually collected quite a few followers. Um, Sounds funny. Collected. Yes. Yeah. Well, they, they, I don't, I don't really know how that happens. Like in a cult, they collect. Yeah. I mean, thinking about all of the, like the people that followed Manson and the people that get into these, I imagine they're just going to places where there's, People who are down on their luck or people who are in transition, um, who might not have family around or don't have a lot of um, hope. And they probably just are going to the, you know, 
picking out those specific places and, and gathering people who Looking are like, someone, yeah, fuck it. Someone to accept them, maybe. Yeah. Well, and I'll get into it a little bit more. They were not the kind of cult that would um, like kiss your ass. They were not the type to be like, we'll help you. We'll save you. It was like, you do what we say or you're not saved and sucks to be you. Like, oh. <laughs> um, you're out, get out. Yeah. So their, uh, their teachings were pretty new age and they told their followers that once they achieved entry to the next level, um, extraterrestrials would provide them new bodies. <laughs> so do the extra extraterrestrials know this? <laughs> I doubt it. Um, their earthly bodies were merely vessels for their souls. Now, this goes back and forth. Uh, in the beginning of their teachings, their whole bodies were going to go with them to this these spaceships. Um, and then once they were there, the extraterrestrials would provide them a different body. So Can this you pick changes. Your body? Yeah, this changes as um, people start to question the physics of things. Um, it's a lot easier to say it's just your soul that's going to go. And we'll get into that a little bit um, when Bonnie passes away. But um, between Thanks 1976. For it. <laughs> sorry. God. They're both dead. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Um, so between 1976 and 1979, the group were very nomadic with their lifestyle. So they were moving from different campgrounds to different rental houses. And there were about 40 followers at the time. So when they would rent the houses, they would rent them in like clusters so there would be like two or three houses that were in the same neighborhood and they would cover up their windows and they would be very like secretive and they had a really mysterious vibe. And uh, <laughs> yeah, they they referred to their housing units as crafts, like a spacecraft. So they would not <laughs> they would not call it a house. They'd be like, we're going to we're going to stay at the craft tonight. They say um, your craft or mine. Yeah, That's funny. <laughs> I'm going to so, start saying that to people just to be weird. Well, you're divinely authorized I'm to do divinely so. Divinely authorized. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, June 1976 in Medicine Bow Forest in Wyoming. What was Who the case that we covered? I, was I think it was that. It was the hat. girl who uh, was with the 300-year-old werewolf. Oh, yeah, in medicine hat. Medicine hat. Um, so this was Medicine Bow uh, in a forest in Wyoming. Uh, Marshall and Bonnie, or Bow and Peep, or <laughs> Doe and Tea, or Guinea and Pig were just a few of their names. Who wants um, to go by Pig? I don't I know. Mean, seriously. I don't know. Um, they had promised that there would be a UFO visit and they were all preparing for this UFO visit. And then due to the extraterrestrials communication with Bonnie, uh, they called it off. So it was canceled. They, did. they told Bonnie they weren't coming. 
They're like, I'm sorry, we can't make it. Something came up. Yes. So uh, this is kind of what I was talking about earlier, um, about how they weren't like coddling their their followers. And they uh, they called them students. And so the students who didn't agree with the teachings were offered financial assistance to leave. They were like, wow. we'll set you up. Um, and they were encouraged to leave. I think so that they wouldn't like try to talk other followers into leaving or, you know, spoil the pot, sort of speak. Um, so, yeah, they'd set him up with some money and be like, here, here's a bus ticket. Here's some money for wherever you get settled down. No hard feelings. Uh, but you're oh. not going to be saved when the earth. Uh, you comes just to won't an end. be saved. Yeah. So it's not like Jonestown where they just shot you in the face. Yeah. Um, and they they kept small groups called star clusters. And it was probably along the same vein of like they didn't want people to get into too big of groups where they couldn't pick out the ones who were not following the teachings. Um, and one night in particular, I thought I'd note this, that they made all 40 followers stand outside to wait for a spacecraft all night. And then after the night was over and the craft did not come, Marshall and Bonnie said, that was just a test to see how committed you were. Yeah, that's a great excuse. I was just mm -hmm. faking you guys. I just wanted to see if you'd stay. Yeah, just wanted to see what was up. That's funny. Clever, I guess. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so by 1980, the group had more than 80 followers. They were very into spreading the word wherever they were but they did not allow or encourage anyone to have any contact with their families or friends from their life before they joined. However, in 1983, this ban was temporarily lifted and followers were allowed short visits with their families around Mother's Day that year. I don't know why I'm reading like up and down. <laughs> it's very annoying. I will stop that. You're fine. <laughs> They were told to write or call family or have a weekend visit if they were close. Marshall and Bonnie told them, or um, what are their nicknames? Doe and T? Yeah. Or Bo and P. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, sorry, that was funny to me. Um, they were told to write or call family or have a weekend visit. I just said that if they were close. So just in case, they could visit family for a minute. Mm -hmm. Marshall and Bonnie told them to tell their families they were studying computers at a monastery. Mm -hmm. That's where true IT people come from. Monasteries. Yes. Around I live in space, space clusters or star clusters. Star clusters in their crafts. Bonnie had, they thought it was cancer of the liver, but it had spread and she had to have an eye removed due to cancer, which is kind of sucky. Yeah. And then, uh, 1985, June Bonnie Nettles died. She was 57 years old. This left Marshall very distraught, and they thought that he had some sort of schizophrenic break at this time. Yeah. At this time, Marshall changed his teachings. They originally told their followers that their soul and body would be taken up to the spaceship, and it was there that they would be given a new body. Due to the fact that Bonnie died and her body was still on Earth, Marshall changed his teachings <laughs> conveniently. Yeah. To say that it was only their souls that would be brought up to the spacecraft and their earthly bodies would be left behind. Yeah, well, because Bonnie's was left behind. So they're like, uh, this isn't, isn't right. Isn't that Christianity's whole thing? Yeah. Like, you're not really original here, dude. 
Um, no, he's not. He told them that Bonnie's energy became too great for her body, and so she was taken. The spacecraft was the next level. Marshall told them that they ascended to the spacecraft. They would be walk-ins, which <laughs> meant that they would take over adult bodies. The reincarnation would not be as children. He would often refer to Bonnie after her death as the father and use he, him pronouns when referencing her. Yeah. Okay, that's weird. Yeah. That he he really um he broke after she died. So they were never um sexual together. Like they didn't have that kind of relationship. Um but he was you know, they were quote unquote soulmates. Like they were very, very um devoted to each other. And so I think it just he was possibly, you know, prone to becoming unhinged, you know, due to like his whole record of him being very emotional and things like that. Um, so I think this just totally like broke him when she died. Um, but he started that. So he, he still continued on. And then, um, and in 1992, the internet is readily available. And da, so da, da, da. they, the group was making videos um, for the internet that was um, trying to engage people, try and get people to become followers. Um, they made a 12 part video talking about their group. And um, I would love to see that video. I searched for it and there's some weird, I actually, um, it'll be on the blog. There is a link to a couple of his videos and they're nice. not specific ones. So I don't know where this 12 part video series is because I couldn't find it. But I do have a link to his final message. And I'll get to that um, in a little bit. He is he's a bit bananas. Um, <laughs> so they were their teachings were all about this universal mind. And so that was a lot of what they did for this 12 part videos and some of the other ones. And so at that time that they were doing all these videos, membership was down to 26 people. So due to the dwindling followers and after Bonnie's death, he kind of freaked out. Like, what do I do? So he decided to take out a full page ad in USA Today. I'd love cost, to see that ad. It cost $30,000. Wow. And it wow. just warned of Judgment Day for the Earth and said <laughs> that he had the solution and he was if they joined the group, then they would be saved. They fucking got 20 new followers. 20. Because of that. So that's over a thousand dollars a piece for his yeah. 30 grand ad. Yeah. Unbelievable. They started getting talked about, obviously because they were on the internet and then they took out this ad. So they were starting to get some notoriety, like people, you know, people in the news were talking about them and kind of little funny things, funny blurbs and ads and stuff would come out. And so did you see a picture of the ad? No, I didn't. No, but all of their stuff is like total, um, like clip art PowerPoint, like really, you know, when you have like the word art, that like gets small and big and it's like That's bubble letters. Yeah, it's it, it's crazy. That's um, so funny. I'll have to find that. That's gonna be it'll our new be on the website. Yeah, oh, it'll be I'm uh, it, in. I'm gonna uh it's gonna link to a couple things on the website. 
Jenna um, IT chick. She went to school at a monastery. I don't know if any of you know that. <laughs> where she got her IT training. Yeah. So it was in 1995, in the summer, they bought 40 acres of land in New Mexico. And they called it the Earthship. And they were there from June to October. But then when winter came, it was too cold. So they were like, we're not... We're not going to be here. It's too cold. So they decided on sunny San Diego. Hey, thanks. Um, thanks for coming here. Yeah. They must have had some freaking money. I mean, yeah. they're buying land in New Mexico. They're coming to San Diego. Somebody well, had some money. I think they, it was, it was one of those cults where you would basically give everything you had to the cult and then they would take care of you. So, oh. You would give them all your cash money or like your car or, you know, whatever it was that you had at the time. And then they would, you know, put you up room and board and that sort of thing. All right. So I think that's where they got their money from. No, that uh, makes sense. That's like most cults. I get and that. Then it, yeah. And then at one point, um, I believe one of the followers who had been with him, like from the beginning, got a large sum of money from like an inheritance. Or something, which is probably like where the 30 grand came from to oh, yeah. take out the ad. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. The group, which had always preached celibacy, that was another thing. They don't have sex in this group. Like they don't. And everything What's the is point very. What's being in a cult if you're not going to have sex? I don't know. But I thought that this, was the whole point. They, they were really into like androgyny. So like same haircuts for boys and girls, same clothing. Um, they didn't want to like differentiate between male and female and they really wanted to like squash all of the sexual desires. Okay. Um, that was also part of their next level talk. Once again, so, like, very progressive. Yeah. So they're um, like kind of how Marshall had talked about Bonnie, her energy got too much for this body. So she went to the next level that is kind of like if you have sex, the you're letting out that energy. So you're not going to build up enough to basically go to the next level. So nobody wanted to have sex because nobody wanted to get rid of the energy. When they moved to San Diego, a lot of the members were seeking out surgeons to perform sex, uh, sexual castration, <laughs> surgical. Kind of the same thing. It, it is. It is. Yeah. So they were looking for a surgeon to perform the surgery. And let me and guess, what was that like? <laughs> so obviously due to the psychological things that are going on with a request for this, the surgeons were like, no, I I'm not doing that. Um, but lucky for them, San Diego is super close to Mexico. So they found a surgeon in Mexico that performed <laughs> the castrations. And I believe it was nine of the members. So like, that come got, on down, gringos. We got yeah. this. Have some tacos. Cut off some stuff. Nice. Yeah, it was. Uh, wow. That's like you you that don't is, go back from that. So that's not where you want to go and have surgery, people. Because they probably went to TJ, right? You're thinking Tijuana. Yeah, I don't know where they went, but it's definitely not <gasps> in a like it definitely wouldn't be Mexico City where there's like reputable right. surgeons. Exactly. I think the I think the thing is they they probably had to go to someone who was like either very underqualified or someone who like just barely met the requirements 
for a or surgery. Or cows. <laughs> yeah, really. Never done it to a human. He's like, let's check this out. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, I guess. Um, Oof. Yeah, so October 1996 is when the group learned of the infamous comet, Hale-Bopp. And I guess... It's Haley-Bopp. Haley-Bopp? I don't know. It's some insane amount of time that it circles the universe and then has to come back. So like it will never happen in anyone's lifetime that it comes back again. So this was super exciting to them. Um, And at the time they had rented a mansion in Rancho Santa Fe, which is like the most exclusive community, rich, uh, lots of money, but lots Lots of privacy. Yeah. Lots of privacy though. They don't even have mailboxes there. Everybody has a P.O. box because they this, they value their privacy. It might be Hale Bop. I always thought it was Haley Bop, but maybe I just call it that. It's H-A-L-E. So, I don't know. Um, you were in what, like high school? No. Yeah. No. That, middle school? Yeah, I was in middle school. 1996? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was 13. Anyway, the, uh, there are... Thing was now that this was the last chance to evacuate Earth. So I think they got a couple more followers because everybody was like, oh shit. You know, there was a lot of rumors of like, this is this is going to come too close to the Earth or, you know, all those things were Dumb. the end is near. Yeah. This was their last chance to evacuate Earth. So that's on to me. Yeah. Sorry. There was a cute pup in my face. Okay, so Marshall was convinced that Bonnie was communicating to him and telling him about a spaceship that was traveling in the tail of, we're going to go with Hale-Bopp Comet. Also that the government was hiding the fact that they knew about the spaceship. Can't trust the government, people. No. March 1997, the group locked themselves in the mansion and recorded farewell videos to their loved ones. Marshall said it was his final exit and that we do, in all honesty, hate this world rude yeah and that's on the web the website there's a link to that video where he's cool definitely wild-eyed oh he is i was just gonna say i remember he just looked nutbags Mm -hmm. um in the beginning of their organization he and bonnie said that they would not be uh there would not be a successor to their group huh that's convenient yeah saying saying that the world would end before he and bonnie died huh whoops so the fact that Bonnie died already meant something had to happen while he was living or he had been wrong all these years. Mm-hmm. You think? Yeah. It was it was said that Marshall had fears of cancer, perhaps due to Bonnie's illness. So in light of this and the comment, a decision was made. The decision was to leave their earth bodies and ascend. Oh, but sorry, I have to yeah. add. Um, before, like they made their decision, and then they did a Last Supper. Are you going to cry? All 39. What? No. You sound really sad about (laughs) it. Like, you sound like you're all choked up. Are you all right? No, I'm on the verge of heat stroke, but I think it's because I've been chugging this tea. I was like, (laughs) And it's hot in here. Really taking this to heart. I know. Well, this is is really, really sad, though. It is really sad. Because these 39 members all went to Marie Callender's for their last meal. Like, have you ever had their pie? Their pie is pretty freaking good. 
Okay, but you okay. can splurge on like a Ruth's Chris or a Donovan Steakhouse or something. Um, and good restaurants. All, or a taco shop all, even. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they all had identical meals of turkey pot pie, blueberry cheesecake, and iced tea. Oh, I wonder if it was a double cream blueberry cheesecake because I totally get that. I That's don't know. Good shit, man. I, I would be really upset if I was a, in a cult <laughs> and my last meal was chosen for me that everybody else has to have the same thing. Like, what if so, you didn't even like turkey pot pie, but it, you were voted yeah. out? That's a good point. Okay, wait. If you think about this, if this was in Rancho Santa Fe, then they had to go to the Escondido Marie calendars, right? Mm-hmm. It was Carlsbad. Carlsbad. Oh, Carlsbad. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Not that it matters, but okay. It wasn't the one we used to go to. I did not know that, though. That's super funny. I did not know that was our last meal. I would be pissed. I'd want, like, a club or a hamburger, at least. Yeah. I'd want turkey pot pie. Yeah. Not or maybe, like, meal. four pieces of blueberry cheesecake and just no yeah. pot pie. Or right. Maybe I could have a drink. Just saying. Yeah. Oh, no. They didn't. They abstained from everything. No alcohol. No sex. Oh, they're terrible people. Okay, they just wanted to leave because they wanted something better. Okay, mm-hmm. so so as we know, they had their turkey pot pies and blueberry pie. I wonder if they got to pick their own pie, or they're like everybody's no. on blueberry. It was it was the same for every person. Oh, wrong. Yeah, that's why I said it was sad. That is sad. Most of the followers took barbiturates and alcohol. Oh, now they get to drink. Uh huh. Yeah, it was actually it was, actually, it was um. Wine? They no, they had a phenobarbital. But I thought they drank that Kool-Aid. was dissolved. It dissolved in apple juice. No, Jonestown was Kool Aid, and it was oh, actually okay. Okay. it was actually um, what's the flavor aid? It wasn't even Kool Aid oh in town. Yeah, it was flavor aid. But anyway, so do you think that the the apple juice was because he was apple white? You're so <laughs> It's totally true. He's like, everything is about me. It definitely All right. Have been. Um, and you said it was vodka with the alcohol? Yeah. Yes. Um, or did they just bought the one that says vodka? Oh, I'm sure it was like Popov or some cheap shit. They didn't know the difference. Well, they're not going to sponsor us now. Thanks. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, but also I wanted to mention that um, on the dailynews.com, they stated that they wore the black pants and the button-up tunics. And they had $5.75 exactly in each of their pockets. And Such a weird amount. Yeah. I don't know what the $5.75, I don't know. Maybe it's like a toll toll road to the spacecraft. Toll, right? Like to the um, comet? And then their, their arm patches, which were, <laughs> they really looked like the like Star Trek or something like that um, patch that said Heaven Gates Away Team. So well, they had they had uniforms, you know. Yeah, it was definitely wild. Okay, so they they took barbiturates and alcohol, then put a plastic bag over their heads, and the deaths occurred over the course of three days. Marshall was fourth to last in the death timeline. He was assisted by three others who helped him kill himself. Then the three people killed themselves. Okay, and you said they were wearing Nike shoes, the because yeah. they they bought them on sale. Yeah, they got a a big discount 
Um, and now actually there is a, um, they, they stopped making those particular shoes. So they naturally became a collector's item because of Nike and, you know, their collector status. Um, <laughs> but there was a, a storage unit and I, t- I didn't write any of this down, so I don't remember where it was, but they found a pair of like never worn in the shoe box original of these particular kind of Nikes and they sold for like six thousand six hundred dollars. Wow. Six six six. Oh Jesus. <laughs> six thousand and sixty six dollars. Interesting. Just saying. And no, six thousand six hundred dollars. I'm gonna go with six six six. Stop running my okay. stuff. Sure, sure. We're gonna go yeah. An anonymous tip led the authorities to the mansion on March 26, 1997. Most of the dead were members for over 20 years. Um, and they actually, they didn't say who the caller was, obviously, because they were anonymous. But it's believed that it was a former member that the group had um, sent their final farewell messages to make sure that they got them to their loved ones. And they sent it to this person, and this person went to the mansion to see what was up, like why he was getting this. Um, so I think it was like perhaps CD-ROMs or something that were mailed to him with the collection of their farewell messages. And so when he went in there, he saw all the bodies and then left and called the authorities. He didn't go to the bar? <laughs> no, no. He skipped that. Wow. That's pretty crazy shit, man. It is crazy. It's so, um, it's amazing to me how these cults can be a collection of people who desperately need some sort of like mental health intervention and they all find each other. Yeah. Because they're, I mean, they do. Like there's not one person who was like, wait a minute, there's a spaceship behind a comet. Like, I don't think so. So I have a bit of a bonus for you. All Uh, right. You were in the cult. Yes. I have insider <laughs> knowledge. Um, I actually went to high school with a girl who said her dad owned that mansion at the time. Oh, I begged a lady that her house, that was her house, her childhood home. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's wild. I mean, everyone. I worked there has, for three years. Everyone has a, a uh, story around it. And the the person who told me that, um, didn't have a super stellar track record at the time of like containing her drama. <laughs> so, oh, um, but who knows? I mean, people, people in high school are like, my dad does blah, blah, blah. And you're like, you're so full of shit. <laughs> um, so this happens to be a story about Marshall Applewhite's granddaughter. Did we ever mention that he had kids? Like, who did he have kids with? Oh, maybe. Because he didn't have sex with um. He was married. Bonnie. He was married to oh. a woman, um, Lane, and she divorced him before any of this happened. So they did. They <laughs> Can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah, they had two oh. kids, and then she left. Um, I I don't know if she left or you know what this situation was between the two but they weren't married at the time of this and she had custody of the kids thank god so 
I really don't know if he had any sort of knowledge of his granddaughter or anything like that. Hmm. But um, so Hannah Overton, um, it was her maternal grandfather that was the leader of this cult. So she was accused of poisoning her son. So Hannah, the granddaughter, and her husband Larry had adopted a little boy named Andrew Bird. And the couple had heard about this boy through their evangelical church. They had children of their own at the time. And so they had a probationary period of six months before they could actually legally adopt this boy. And it was very shortly after this six-month period of probation was over that the four-year-old became extremely sick. He was vomiting uncontrollably, couldn't catch his breath. Um, Hannah decided that she needed to call her husband at work rather than an ambulance. So her husband, Larry, rushed home from work. And when he got home, he saw that Andrew was becoming, um, like, non-responsive. And so they took him to the emergency clinic. And he was in such bad condition at the emergency uh, clinic that they transferred him through medevac to Driscoll Hospital in Corpus Christi. And the next day, October 2nd of 2006, he passed away. The four-year-old passed away. Um, and the nurses and doctors at the clinic that he was at before this hospital were suspicious of child abuse. So they got in contact with the police and they searched the residence and they found some things that led them to believe that the boy had been abused. They Aww. found, yeah, they found burnt sheet. They found burnt sheets in the backyard. And she said that the boy uh, often soiled his bed sheets and this was particularly bad this time. And so they burned him. I don't know why. Because you don't just throw him in the away. trash? Because you're not allowed to burn. Oh, wait, it's in Texas. Okay, never mind. Yeah. But I also, I was reading that there was. Uh, like scratches that looked like they had healed and some that weren't um, healed all the way. Um, and other things that led them to believe that she was like harsher with him than her biological children. Then and the why nurses, adopt if you're going to be an asshole and you already have three little kids? I don't know. The nurses thought that... Um, Perhaps she couldn't say no, like the church asked if she would do this and she was, you know, perhaps she just felt obligated and then that made her snap because she had four kids under the age of seven. Oh, and she was pregnant with her fifth child. Oh my gosh. And so they thought maybe she just snapped. Um, Larry, get off your wife. Yeah. Jeez. But, Leave her alone. Uh, Everybody who knew her was like, I can't believe she would do this. You know, this is not the, this is not who she is. It's a and, thing in their family to poison people. Yeah. So um, an autopsy revealed that he died of sodium poisoning and blunt force trauma. Oh. Um, was a contributing factor. So uh, Hannah and Larry were arrested for the death of Andrew and her other four children were placed in the care of Hannah's mother Lane Applewhite Sands, which is Marshall's daughter. Um, and that was after the whole Haley Bob Comet thing, right? Yeah, Heaven's it was 2006. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, and Hannah was pregnant with her fifth child. Uh, she was sentenced to life in prison 
and Larry was given probation after pleading no contest to negligent homicide. And once his probation was finished, his charges were erased, which to me, like, that's crazy. Wow. Wow. Um, How do you convict her for life and he gets probation? Wow. They they had this uh, court hearing. You know, she was sentenced to life. She's always maintained her innocence. Uh, She was granted a new trial due to insufficient counsel in 2012 because she said her original lawyer failed to bring the two doctors who believed she was innocent to the trial. So one of the doctors was a doctor who treated Andrew and the other doctor who uh, is especially knowledgeable in salt poisoning. So he had two times the normal sodium, whatever, in his blood. And um, the doctor was saying that everything that Hannah told them about his condition, it sounded like he had pica, which is a yes something where strange children, things. yeah, children eat things that they don't um, that they shouldn't, like batteries or whatever. Um, Dirt. And it's very common. This doctor was saying that she um, she said since they got him. And they and he was with their family. Like he would just eat constantly. He gained a whole bunch of weight. Um, so uh, she started like locking things up, like putting things high in the pantry so that he couldn't get to them because he would just. She'd find him in the pantry eating like just rows and rows of crackers or whatever it is he could get his hands on. But she didn't think to move any. I mean, you wouldn't think to move like salt or pepper or something like that off the shelf or your kids are trying to get snacks. Like it wouldn't occur to you that they're going to. But where's the blood force trauma come in then? I don't. I don't know. Well, find out, um, Jen. Call yeah. someone. Find out. Well, like if you're on her innocent stance, I could see that if he's vomiting uncontrollably and she can't lift him up and he's kind of flailing around, perhaps he. Mm. You know, when they're taking him to the doctor um, or to the emergency clinic, maybe they, you know, put him in the back seat and he hit his head. I, you got to hit somebody really hard, though, to have that be a contributing factor. Right. But also this other you'd doctor. you'd remember. This other doctor um, said that ingesting the salt like that could produce a brain bleed. So maybe the autopsy technician just put the blunt force trauma because there was evidence of bleeding of the brain. Oh. Um, so mm. um, she got the new trial and she was again found guilty. Oh. <laughs> but, but a uh, state Supreme Court ruled in her favor and granted her release uh, pending a new trial. Damn. So, They said, we're still going to try you. We still believe you're guilty. You know, the prosecutors um, were ready to go again. But then the Supreme Court also ruled she's innocent and they're not doing another trial. Double jeopardy. Yeah, she was awarded. Well, no, she wasn't found initially. She was found guilty. But then they overturned that verdict. I don't know how they can do that because... Wow. But whatever it was, she was awarded $573,333.33. It'd be better if they gave her $5.75. Yeah. (laughs) But (laughs) she 
Um, so she's innocent, and um, and a little kid's dead. Yeah, she has had her sixth child with Larry. My God, Larry, what is your deal? My God, it's called birth control, people. Yeah. Another thing worth noting is that in 1984, when Hannah was just seven years old, um, her father, Benny Scenes, who was married to Marshall's daughter, uh, he was a preacher and he bludgeoned a 16-year-old girl to death and dumped her body. What the F? Yeah, he was sentenced to 23 years. They know how to pick them in this family. Wow. What does a 16-year-old do? Like, where where a minister just is like, I can't do it anymore. That's terrible. Hell, on the fact that he was doing something awful to her. I don't know. I'm sure of it. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. Are you done with your negative stories? (laughs) That's it. That's That's it. Yeah. I worked in Rancho Santa Fe for three years. And I do know they bulldozed that house. It's no longer standing. Oh, really? But when I would call people and tell them where I was. I'm like, you know, where Heaven's Gate was. And people go, oh, okay. That was, everybody knows, you know, that was a big story. And I didn't work there till like 2001, I think I started. Yeah. Um, I also want to apologize for our previous episode. I didn't realize that my kids had unplugged my Wi-Fi extender so that's why my internet was shitty i'm glad you finally apologized for that yeah i was editing i'm like why and that was on the last one i didn't listen to the last one yeah god you're not a fucking fan no i just can't listen to my voice i always listen and i'm just like "Ah," i just take myself apart i can't do it anymore yeah i I can't help it i haven't yeah whatever chipmunk any of them because I edit them, and then I'm like, I can't listen anymore. Well, I get that, because you've heard it. But I listen, I'm like, ah, my voice, meh, meh. So we're relying on you all to give us feedback, because we clearly don't like to listen to ourselves. Yeah, now it's on you guys. Figure it out. Jen says we have a listener in Pakistan. Are you a real person, or are you trying to hack us? Yeah. I just last time I got hacked at Wish, they were from Pakistan, so I'm not sure if they're a real true listener, or they're just trying to hack us. We don't have any money, so don't bother. No, we don't. So, man, on you. <laughs> yeah. But still listen. Yeah, but you know, you might <laughs> like it, and then you yeah. want to hack someone else. Sure. We could use all the listeners. Tell your hacker friends. Yeah, we could definitely use some uh, intelligent IT people. <laughs> right and if you went to school in a monastery poof, even better oh yeah all right i like it all right i'll talk to you later all right ciao bye, bye bella <laughs>